would you cancel high school calculus for every kid in a school district for $47,000? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. So the Glenn Show has John McWhorter on again, talking about the usual. Uh, first thing they mention is, I guess there's a kerfuffle going on in Princeton, New Jersey, um, at the school system. Like, not the world-famous university, but just the, I guess, the K-12 through school system for the city that goes around the famous university. And I don't know for sure, but I bet it's one of the woker, wokest places on uh, the planet. And so, you know, super rich people live in the city, but it's, it's actually, it has a mixture. It has a mixture of people of different races and of different income levels. And they're having, you know, the classic equity problem where the black kids are not doing as good at school as the other kids. So the school superintendent hired a consultant, got 47 grand for this stuff. I'll tell you, some of these equity consultant jobs... I mean, whatever. I'll tell you any horseshit you want to hear if you pay me that kind of money. So this consultant, who's a white male, uh, he's like, well, you know what? I, I can fix your uh, math equity problems if you just do what I say. Yeah, and I'm sure like, oh, yeah, tell us how to how to make all the black kids good at math. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to make the black kids good at math. Are you crazy? We're going to stop all the smart kids from being able to take advanced math classes. Boom equity worship me i'm a genius and don't quote me on the grades and what class you can take at what grade or something but it was something like now you can't take algebra 2 before high school and then in high school they used to have calculus 1 and calculus 2 they want to get rid of both of those no calculus for you you know unless your parents are rich and can send and you can send you to some whatever, you know, to something other than the school to learn your calculus. And then, I guess, you know, we'll all be equal. We'll all be equal on calculus because none of us will take it. And this kind of stuff is going on all across the country. Um, I mean, this isn't nothing crazy. It's happening, you know, I think San Francisco has been trying to do stuff like this. Probably a ton of places. I guess, you know, and here's the, here's the reason why I think it's a ton of places. I can't name them. But so, the you know, the, the plot thickens on this thing. You know, so obviously some parents, they want their kids to be taking all the advanced math classes as possible so they can get into the science, technology, engineering, mathematics classes in college and do well. And so because of that, the school district, the superintendent, etc., they hid the fact that they were about to do this. And so somehow the parents got wind of it and they put it in a Freedom of Information Act, which is... Uh, Basically, you, you can look at government records. You know, you can, you can, I don't know about the president, but you can like, you know, if you want to, if you want to see the emails between the manager of the DMV and the whatever, and the, the worker at the DMV, because you think the DMV is screwing you over, there's this thing called a Freedom of Information Act, and you can put in an application, and the government has to provide you with what they've been doing. Have to give you the paperwork. Sometimes they can redact it. Like you know, you'll do it for the you'll do it for like the the military, and they'll give you all the paperwork, and it'll be nothing but blanked out pages. And they'll say, "Oh, that's national security." But anyways, Freedom of Information Act. They used it to get the uh, stuff from the school district, saying, "Yeah, we're going to get rid of all the high math classes, and not allow any student who's good at math to take a math class, you know, a year a year before other kids." 
So I don't know if I said this, but here's the point is that they know the parents don't want this to happen. And so they do it in secret. And so that's why it's probably happening. You know, if you're in, if you're in a woke part of the, of America, your school dis- district is thinking about doing this stuff right now. They're, they may be hiring consultants at $50,000 for, you know, a week, a week of telling them to dumb down math. And it's happening all across America. It's going to take a little while before the stu- or the parents realize and everything goes, well, I don't know, stuff's been going apeshit kind of anyway. So just more stuff to keep parents going apeshit. You know, are you a poor Asian parent who wants a better life for their child? Uh, Sorry, you came to a country that's in the middle of a kerfluffle over race, and so no no good stuff for you. I just said kerfluffle twice. That's way too much. Uh, I need something else. Brouhaha, uproar, peaceful conversation. I don't know. I'll work on it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I bet... You know, if you go back 50 to 100 years, there's probably schools that didn't let the black kids take the math classes. I guess basically it's revenge racism. So now the solution to that previous thing is to now not let non-blacks take math classes. And needless to say, John and Glenn do not think this is a good thing. Like they really want the best for black kids and they want those kids to... Learn math, and they don't think taking away math is the answer. They think helping black kids to learn math in the beginning is the idea. And John mentions, he mentions, uh, you know, so what's the solution? Well, here's John. John mentions some study from, I don't know, frickin' the 90s or something, where they looked at the kids doing math, and, like, Asian kids got together and studied together, and then black kids did not get together when they were studying for math. And so, when you get together, apparently, it gives you much better results. And so, it made me think, I mean, how many periods, I mean, they're, you know, they got probably, let's say there's seven periods in a day in high school or something. I mean, and to exaggerate, I don't even know what they're doing nowadays. They probably got, you know, they got math, reading, and then, you know, five classes on social justice. But I think they should just—they should give up just one of those five classes on social justice, and maybe have some sort of study period where I don't know. I guess the kids can gr- get into groups and study math together, and then because you know, because people always sort by race. You know, the white kids are always gonna like you know choose your group members. Everyone, you know, groups of three, choose your group members. Right, you're always gonna get three whites, three blacks, three Asians, and so you know maybe. Whatever. Black kids can learn to do it the Asian way. And maybe by the time you're trying to do this in high school, you know, it's too ingrained. So you may have to, you know, maybe they, maybe you need, like, to teach group study classes, you know, starting in first grade or something. Then Glenn brings up a interesting fact about where he works. He works at Brown. It's an Ivy League university. And they just created a position for diversity, equity, and inclusion um, as related to the graduate school there. And so that now makes four layers of diversity, equity, equity, inclusion. You got this person who answers to a person above them, you know, the, the, the bigger, the, a bit, you know, a medium dog of diversity, equity, inclusion, who answers to someone above that, who's the big dog of diversity, equity, inclusion, who answers to someone above that, who does it for the whole university. So there's four layers. 
And I'm sure every one of those positions is six figures. Good job. Good job. And all you have to do is occasionally, you know, make false accusations of racism. And I'm your golden. And, you know, and companies do this stuff. Uh, you know, you're, apparently, I, I never heard of four layers. I mean, I guess, you know, five. You're racist. You only have four layers of DEI. You need five, you racist. But, like, a lot of times, a lot of times companies will hire DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion people. And they'll be like, we don't have enough black people in this company. We need to get a DEI person. And then they go, you know what? We can hire a black person for that job. Boom. I mean, I mean this is working amazing. We <laughs> Just as soon as we created a DEI position, we have a black person working here. Or, you know, or one more than we had before. And, you know, the company, maybe it's, you know, some tech company. And, like, previously they're like, we only, pe- we only hire people with computer science degrees who have 10 years of work experience. And they're like, oh, you know what? We don't have to ha- we don't have to use that criteria for the DEI people. And I think, you know, if you got yourself a person in charge of DEI, the first thing they say is, you know what? If you hire an assistant for me, you know, the assistant DEI officer, boom, well, well, that'll, that'll be another one. And they're like, oh, my God, this is working out so great. And I kind of talked about it before. I mean, I, I'm waiting for like a, a for this to be proven or whatever. But it seems like what happens, you know, you get too many. I mean, like, oh, my God, let's get 10. Let's get 10 of these people. But they got nothing to do. They got nothing to do. They can't change the fact that it's hard to find, you know, black computer science programmers with 10 years experience. And so then what they start doing is they go, you know what? We need to change this company. We need to we need to change the rules of hiring to be whatever. You don't have to have a computer science degree. You don't have to have 10 years experience programming. And then the people who are really in charge of the company are like, wait, uh, I think that was important for what we're doing. It's almost like you're bringing us down from the inside. And they're like, well, you know what? You can't fire me because then you're firing a black person. And then they're like, oh, my God, you're right. And then kerfluffle, kerfluffle, kerfluffle. It's fun to watch. All right, I'm going to throw in a clip here of Glenn describing it because it's pretty funny. Recently, there was a report in our student newspaper about a new diversity, equity, and inclusion person who'd been hired by the graduate school to see after uh, students of color who come to Brown to get uh, advanced degrees in the sciences and the social sciences and the humanities. We have a graduate school. People are admitted to graduate programs. There's an administrative overlay that uh, takes care of graduate students, and they've hired an assistant assistant dean of the graduate school for diversity equity and inclusion ministering to students who reports to an associate dean of the graduate school whose responsibilities broadly are diversity equity and inclusion but not only dealing with students who herself reports to a deputy provost who is in charge of diversity equity and inclusion concerns across the various programs at Brown University, who reports to... And so John mentioned the thing that, you know, one big part of their jobs is to make false accusations of racism. I mean, he doesn't put it that strongly. He's never said anything that was exaggerated in his life. He's very measured. But he says that at Ivy League universities in 2022, it's just not a racist situation. But then Glenn's like, you know, there's another reason for them to exist. You know, they need to... It's to help the... They are there partly to help the students feel included in the whole college situation. 
and they mentioned how at elite uh, elite university law schools, the students at the bottom of the class are black. Actually, that's not correct. Black students are at the bottom of the class. And this is because of affirmative action. You're letting people in with lower preparedness for the class based on their based on the fact that, of, that they're black. And pretty soon, when you're always at the bottom of the class, you may not feel included. You know, it may not be fun. In fact, it sounds like a frickin' nightmare. I mean, it takes a lot of mental fortitude to go through that law school process, always being at the bottom of the class and not seeing people like you or, you know, you and your small number of black friends are always at the bottom of the class and I, mean, I can see, whatever, it would be stressful. You might even have some complaints. You might make up racist accusations to uh, make you feel better. But in any case, it's kind of like the universities. They're hiring a friend for you. They're, you know, it's an administrator, but they're a friend. They're, they're a friend to be there. You can talk to them. They can, you can commiserate with them. They'll tell you that it's not your fault. It's just racism. Uh, you know, and I think, and I don't know. I don't know if that makes the whole experience better or not, but I, I think he's right that that is part of the idea. And then Glenn goes on uh, using, you know, top-notch law schools as, as an example. He says that some college students who want to go to law school are told one thing and some are told another. That basically, if you're like, say, Asian, you're told you better have the best test scores ever and you better have an immaculate GPA. Otherwise, you ain't getting into the law school of your choice. And then if you're a black college student, you're told, you know what, you need to be a little bit better than the average college student and you, you know, in your tests and your grades. But, you know, don't, don't worry about it too much. I mean, he, I don't know if these stats are correct. Glenn pulls out the stats that if you're Asian, you probably want to be 99 percentile. And if you're black, you probably want to be 70 percentile. Doesn't matter what those things mean. You kind of get the idea. Out of 100. But Glenn is black. He loves black people. He hates what's going on with this stuff. He wants black people to succeed to the absolute max. And he feels that telling kids that uh, is not letting black kids succeed to the max. You know, like someone is like, you got to work like a freaking dog. You know, you better be, you better be ready to work or, you know, whatever. You need to work right now. Oh, you didn't work yesterday? Well, that's fine. Start working today. That's what that's what some that's what some people are told, basically. That's what Asians are told. And I don't know about white people, but there you go. So Asians are like, if you didn't work yesterday, you better start working today. And then black people are told, you know, are you better than the average person in your class? Well, that's good enough. You know, that that's good enough. You're done. You don't have to do jack anymore. You're done. All, right, all this is it's unintended consequences. And I don't know. I, I don't know. But anyways, could it be that affirmative action hurts black people? Actually, I've talked about that. In a lot of ways, it does hurt black people. Does it hurt black people in the way just described? I don't know. It's like, I'm going to help that person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help that group of people. I'm going to help them so fucking hard that they're going to be completely fucked. <laughs> All right, let's throw in a clip of Glenn saying it instead of my horse crap. There's another factor, and it's called the incentive effect, or if you will, the disincentive effect of affirmative action. I'm going to get into trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you tell a kid 
that they can score at the 70th percentile of the population taking the LSAT, the law school admissions test, and they can have a B or a B plus average in college and still get admitted to Georgetown Law Center. That's one thing. If you tell the kid they had better be at the 90th or higher percentile of the LSAT population of test takers, and they had better have pretty much an unblemished A, straight A record in their courses. Otherwise, there's no chance that they're going to get into Georgetown Law Center. That's a different thing. Now, if the kid is black, the first scenario applies. They can they have a pretty good chance of getting in if they're above average, but not at the very top of the distribution of test takers. And if they've got a good but not pristine transcript, they still have a good chance of getting in. If the kid is white, they basically have no chance of getting in to one of these top law schools if they're not right in the upper tail of the test taking distribution. And if they've got more than one or two Bs on their transcripts, they have no chance of getting in. Now, all I'm saying is if that's the world that people are living in, the incentives for effort that would affect their performance after they've been admitted is very different as between the two populations. We've created a regime where the message that we send out to students of color is you can be okay, but not absolutely great, and you still can have a pretty good chance of getting admitted to our program. The idea that that would not affect people's behavior, I, I think, is just contrary to common sense. How much is a question that would have to be studied, but the incentives here are not entirely healthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, but it's just this final point. It's not equality when you create a special dispensation for blacks and then look the other way at their relatively poor performance after admission. That's condescension. It, that, that's not real equality. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I just had a fun interaction with my little 10-week-old kitten. Rico, he's been trying to get into the fridge. Every time you open the fridge, he jumps into it. But I think he's realized that, you know, it's not that deep. I mean, you know, it's full of it's full of cold food that he can't in plastic packaging. And so it's not like the wardrobe and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And so I think if he jumps in there a few more times, he's going to get tired of it. So that'll solve that. Twitter handle, at the Anti-Woke Podcast. And thanks for listening.